there was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right. Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to face this trip. What is that? That's what she said. When you think about running through the tea at Nayland Stadium for the first time this Saturday, does that give you a little bit of chicken skin? A chicken skin, you know. You know what I'm making reference to when I say chicken skin? You're Southern boy. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, coach search time in Tennessee time, people getting a little bit antsy time. That's okay, because that's what we're here to calm you down for time, or make it worse time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Recording this on a Wednesday afternoon, and we are going to release this on a Wednesday afternoon because we normally do the football podcast Friday mornings. We've talked to you about doing this a little earlier in the week, and in this case, especially, we need to because there's a coaching search going on, and if you wait a day or two to release something, then your entire podcast could be moot at that point. So, fellas, here we are. There is, however... Can, can we call it a coordinator search? Because a coach search to me is you're looking for a head coach. Uh, that's true. You got head. You got coach search, coordinator search, assistant search. Yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Grant Ramey here and say that that it's just longer to say coordinator search. Well, we wouldn't want to make Grant work too hard now, would we? That's true. As he's at home babysitting his brood. I will tell you that there right now, because I know this is what y'all are curious about. There's an Arsenal game being played right now, and we are recording this podcast during a live Arsenal game and. We are still going to give you 100% of our attention because we are capital J journalists, capital P professionals, and capital C committed to you. And so Wes definitely will not get up during the podcast and run a victory lap around the table after a goal or anything. Well, fortunately, the goal was scored just before the podcast was recorded, so I don't have to worry about that. But if Man U does score, you might hear the bleep button. Just throwing that out there. Guys, there is a lot going on. I guess we should first mention the news that everyone wants to talk about, which is that uh, the all-SEC teams came out and there were no Vols on it. Just kidding. That's not what everyone wants to talk about. <laughs> However, uh, it is quite interesting. What's that factoid, Pat? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I looked this up and skimmed, skimmed through the media guide. Um, the last time Tennessee didn't have anyone on the all-SEC team, either the AP team or the coaches team, it was 1943. And as someone... One of our, uh, one of our, I guess, more experienced folks on our board pointed out they didn't have a team in 1943. Yeah, there was that whole a, war. Yeah, it was World War II. The, the war was literally uh, at war. Well, but they had teams other years of the war, so that was the only year that the, of the war that they didn't have a team. My grandfather was so, kick, my grandfather was kicking some ass in the Pacific Theater, and, dropping some bombs. And so you go back through the other years, and the last time that Tennessee, last time before that, that Tennessee didn't have an all SEC player, at least one. 
on the second, first, second, whenever they had a third team. They don't have a third team this year. Uh, the last time before that was 1932, which you guys should both know this was the year before the SEC was formed. Yes. So, ipso facto, has never happened. That tells you kind of the in the history. Talent. So in, in the history of Tennessee football, they've never gone a year uh, without having an All SEC player, at least one. Until it's crazy this year. to think about, isn't it? Yes, and uh, on the AP team, every every other team had at least two guys, uh, except for Tennessee, which had zero. Bleed button. So, um, see so how that tells you where the the talent level is on this football team. Yeah, it's uh, for those who are saying questioning what we've said about just how much of a challenge last season was for Tennessee. I think we can agree that Tennessee going into the season had if if you'd have told us going into the season, you know, how many guys on this team could potentially be all SEC players, I think we would probably say what a handful of guys maybe had the potential to do it. Uh, one of those guys was Trey Smith and he uh, sadly had some blood clots come back and he was not uh, not able to finish the season, so he couldn't make it. And there were a lot of guys who uh, maybe were fringe All-SEC guys, you know, guy like a – I don't know, like a, a Bryce Thompson, a Callaway, um, you know, the Daryl Taylor maybe with the sacks that he had. I mean, you had a couple guys who – Kyle Phillips who had the potential maybe to be fringe All-SEC type players. But in general, um, Tennessee did not have uh, the talent to do that. And that is why I wrote in that column this morning that, yes, it is important that Tennessee needs to get the right offensive coordinator – but I would, pro- I would say that it's much more important for Tennessee to get more good football players because I don't care who you are as a coach. If you do not have talent, you cannot win games. So Tennessee needs to go do both of those things. It needs to get this coordinator search done, and it needs to also, I would say, uh, needs to get some better football players. I think we can all agree on that. Well, the uh, you mentioned Bryce Thompson. The all SEC, the SEC all freshman team is supposed to come out on Thursday, and if he's not on that team, I think it would be uh, I don't want to say an injustice. Travis Shamockery. I will probably tweet about it and saying that that's that's that was bad. Um, but I think the coaches picked that, and the coaches probably know that he. Uh, again, I don't know what other freshmen are on on the uh, what other freshman cornerbacks are really good in this league. Um, but Thompson, I think had a had a pretty good year, even if you just look at the numbers and and pro football focus stuff and all that. So if he's not on, I'd, I'd be surprised. Um, and speaking of awards, uh, Tennessee had its, its banquet the other night, and I don't know that they've had one for, for a while. seems like maybe a new thing they brought back this year. I can't remember now. Well, they had that Volskers thing. That's like the whole athletic yeah, department. Right. That's everybody. That's in the spring. This was more of a team thing. And but the, You know what? They should have had a pool party. What, wasn't it? They held should have had the good old fashioned. December? A good no, a good old. They have the indoor aquatic facility. Have like that's a good a old party. fashioned end of the season pool, pool have to be party. Outside. I think I think that's the rule. Wasn't it held the same day as Alabama's? Well, see, that's the thing is like throughout this season, I would post something, practice observations, what have you, other stories, and then I'd go check the Alabama site, and it would be like, oh, their practice notes are up just at the same time, you know, scrimmage notes, all those things. It's almost like they were mimicking Alabama, and, and sure enough, Sunday. Uh, or, or Monday morning, I guess, when or whenever Tennessee tweeted out some stuff from the banquet, there was stuff on on Alabama. Of course, Alabama sent out sent out a whole list of their winners. Tennessee only sent out a couple, but their MVP, which was voted on by the team, was Daryl Taylor, which I thought was interesting. Really inconsistent season from Daryl Taylor. There were times, a, a couple games, where he was the best player on the field, probably, and then there Other were times, a lot of games where he was. Why was what was he doing? He wasn't even there. You wouldn't know. But yeah, so that's that's interesting, but. 
Any, but that's not what you guys want to talk about. No, no. And, and, not you two, and, but everybody and else. What we're going to talk about eventually is what y'all want to talk about, which is this coordinator search. But first, we are going to to make sure that we don't forget this, because if we start rambling on the coordinator search and we don't mention recruiting, we're going to uh, have to sit there and have one of those two-hour podcasts. So we and, and while I don't think I would care, I think y'all might care about that. So let's go ahead and get to some recruiting news. Ryan, we know that Tennessee obviously has the, the commitment from – Harrison, Harrison Bailey, 2020 quarterback. Not a 19 guy, but a 20 guy, but a big, big recruitment. We've talked about that. Um, but there's still a lot more things going on in Tennessee's you know, early signing period. starts for everyone pretty pretty darn soon. So where do things stand with Tennessee? How's the class shaping up? How How is things? Yeah, the early signing period, yeah, now less, uh, I guess, two weeks uh, from the re- recording of this podcast. Uh, so it, it's, it's coming fast. Uh, the coaches are – 10 days, uh, basically down to 10 days left on the road before they have to wrap up their final visits. So Jeremy Pruitt, we've already seen him go in home with some important targets, with some commitments, uh, and, and they've got two more important visit weekends left. Uh, the, the, big, the big thing that we're trying to sort of figure out as we lead up to the early signing period is you know, just how many of Tennessee's remaining targets are going to sign early and which ones are legitimately in play. There are a lot of names on the board. You know, how many of them are going to become more realistic looking and how many are going to remain long shots? And then out of those guys who are realistic, who can they legitimately land during this early signing period? We already know there's some guys, and, and, and there are some important targets who are maybe on the fence a little bit about um, signing early or, or have indicated they're not planning to sign early. You know, does anything change leading up to that? And that goes for some Tennessee commitments, too. So we're getting to that point in the year where the early signing period is no longer something that's off in the distance. It's now something that's got to be discussed by coaches with with recruits, and you've got to sort of figure out what everyone's plans are. So all, all this – I think some dominoes will start falling here soon. Uh, the, one of the big ones that started to that, – that fell over the weekend, I guess, not a commitment for Tennessee, but a, a big development was the decommitment of Eric Gray from Michigan. Uh, the four-star running back from Memphis. He just so happened to visit Tennessee again over the weekend, too. On the same day, he announced uh, his decommitment from Michigan. So that one's still trending toward Tennessee. Certainly sounds like Tennessee is the team to beat by all indications. But everyone asks, well, he's not committed yet. Um, I think it's also worth noting, every time I've spoken with him in the last couple of months, he's kind of pointed to the the first day of the early signing period December 19th as the day he wants he would, to have his moment yeah he, he didn't get to the first time around you know obviously anybody who commits in the summer you don't do the yeah. you don't do a ceremony at your school or anything for that so he might he might just want to wait and the other the other aspect of this is there's some people close to his recruitment who think he might want to at least wait and see who Tennessee's offensive coordinator do you is. have that announcement like at the summer school basically with kids who are taking classes that, <laughs> retaking classes they failed last year so you're just having it in front of them yeah probably not probably wouldn't not. have quite the same vigor I yeah don't think. He, yeah he announced his on july 1st so something tells me not a lot of school not a lot happening at school three days before the fourth of july but maybe maybe i'm wrong but uh regardless yeah he he's he's waiting uh at least for now and and yeah at least part of the reason could be he just wants to see who tennessee's new offensive coordinator is going to be tyson helton was not a big factor in his recruitment for tennessee but he still knew what Tennessee's offense was going to look like under Tyson Helton. So even though I think Jeremy Pruitt and, and other coaches on Tennessee staff have reassured him and told him what, what he needs to know about the direction the offense is, is likely to go, still at least waiting to see if you can figure out who that hire is going to be, uh, I think it's got to be part of the decision. So he is waiting for now, and that's at least maybe part of the motivation for that. 
aside from that, I think it might be a lot of waiting until you know the first day of the early signing period. Will a guy like Owen Papo make a final decision before then? You know, he seems like a guy who could wait until that until that that early signing day, I guess you could call it. Um, and Tennessee's got some reason to feel at least pretty decent about yeah, things there, I think. And and Tennessee is, yeah, definitely, I think, been trending in the right direction. But Auburn also, I think, lately has felt a little bit better about its chances of holding on to him. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how that one goes. And that's that's uh, an important visit coming up this weekend for Tennessee. Owen Papo, as of right now, still scheduled to take his official visit to Tennessee this weekend. And that la- that final weekend for him is still open. Um, no indication yet of whether Auburn will get him back on an official visit. They certainly would like that to happen. There's no guarantee he takes a fifth visit at all. So it'll be really interesting to see what he's, what he says, if anything, or what he indicates at least coming out of that visit to Tennessee over the weekend and kind of where things stand after that, because it seems like the the big question with him has just been whether Tennessee can, can continue to build off that momentum and, and finish the deal with him. Uh, and land him here to, to to give themselves a big splash in the uh, early signing period. But he he will be signing early. We know that one. We know Eric Gray is signing early. Both of those guys are early enrollees. So those are two big dominoes that will fall. There will be some others. Um, it's just a matter of how many and, and which of those guys Tennessee might land. And then looking at Tennessee's class, you know, 20 commitments, how many of those 20 end up signing? Right now we've got, I think, 14 that are definitely planning to sign early, a couple who are maybe on the fence, and a few who say they're definitely planning to sign in February. Does Tennessee try to change their minds, or, or do, do those stay the same? So, uh, A lot of things can change yeah. in those couple months. Yeah, a- absolutely. And a lot you know, of what Tennessee's trying to do here before the early signing period I think could determine what happens with some of those other commitments too. You know, if Tennessee – if Tennessee does finish well and gets seven or eight more guys, hey, something's got to give. You've got 20 commitments already. You can't sign them all. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know that Tennessee's going to have that kind of finish, but if they do, some tough decisions will have to be made. So it, a lot to be decided still, but obviously all eyes kind of on those big names that are signing early, Eric Gray, Owen Papo, a few others, you know, still waiting to see if Tennessee gets a visit from a junior college defensive lineman. There are a couple now on the board, uh, Keontae Shad and, uh, and Nick Figueroa. So we'll see if either of those guys visits Tennessee, but obviously, yeah, well, lots and to cover over the next couple of weeks. What's the deal with Maurer with the with with signing and when he wants to, and and it, would he potentially hold off? Which some some could say that it would be smart of him to, if you don't know exactly who your position coach and coordinator are going to be, maybe you want to wait until February. Or, but if you're him, maybe do you then? And I'm just spitballing here. Do you run the risk of? You know, if Tennessee gets some kind of other quarterback in the next couple months, are you looking for another place to go? Because you'll wish that you had signed then. So I, I don't what, – What's what kind of feel for do you have for that situation? Yeah, he's he's planning to sign early, and that, that's been his plan for a while now. And, and you know, Jeremy Pruitt had his in-home visit with, with Brian Maurer, who looked like the only guy who was maybe a little bit at least hesitant to come out and say much after uh, after Tyson Helton's departure because, you know, Tyson Helton was really his main recruiter, and that was kind of the only guy in Tennessee's class you could say that about. Uh, but Maurer, after that in-home visit with Jeremy Pruitt, kind of said, hey, I feel good about things now and, and pretty much said he's he's sticking with Tennessee. So unless something changes, unless he has second thoughts about that, you know, he certainly came away from that in-home visit with Jeremy Pruitt feeling better about the about the offensive coordinator search. It sounds like Jeremy Pruitt shared at least some details about what they wanted to want, wanted to do with the search. Uh, didn't tell him, you know, who it was going to be, but certainly gave him some names and some 
some idea of the direction they were going and that made him feel better. So um, he, he does plan to sign early with Tennessee. And right now uh, it will be back on his official visit the final weekend before the early signing period, which looks like it'll be a big visit weekend for commitments. A lot of Tennessee's commitments who are signing early and haven't taken their official visits will be back in town that final weekend as of right now. So uh, that'll be a big visit weekend either way. But you, you touch on an interesting point talking about Maurer. Tennessee's still recruiting Talia Tungavailoa, and he's an early enrollee and an early signee. Um, and there are some people who, and these are not like total fools, I don't think, who still continue to believe that Tennessee has at least some kind of yeah. chance there. And that's, to me, when you look at that situation from the outside, you go, how in the world is that possible with all those factors? But, hey, I mean, there are people who genuinely believe Tennessee's still in that I, thing. I think you'd have to say it's a long shot. Oh, and, and, and extreme long and, shot. And, and Tyson Helton leaving doesn't do anything to help that. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt's played a big part in, in Tungavailoa's recruitment the whole way, but Tyson Helton was part of it too. And, and not knowing, you know, like you said, all those concerns that would be there for Brian Maurer that have, that have been addressed to some extent already, they're definitely there for a target like, like Tungavailoa, who who has a, a pretty settled situation in Alabama. Now he's got to see who his offensive coordinator at Alabama is going to be too. I and mean, that's at least a factor he's got to consider. Um, but, you know, he's going to feel a little better about Alabama's situation, probably just knowing his brothers in the offense that they're, you know, they're not going to shake things up dramatically at Tennessee. I think you'd at least want to know who that coach is And they'll is want be. to keep his brother happy for yeah. sure. And, and that's another, another wrinkle in this, you know, if Tennessee, we, I mean, we'll get into the candidates later, but quickly, what kind of player is he compared to his brother oh, as a prospect? I mean, I know that like, what. You know, we're not the the like the Barton Simmons and Rusty Manziel's yeah. who sort of you know evaluate all these guys like all the time for and that's one of the big things we're, we're paid to do. But like, I mean, we we know football players and you cover recruiting a lot. So what? How does he compare to his brother at that age? He, he's he's not thought to be on quite the same level as him. They're they're a little bit different. Um, they they're both you know athletic enough to make a play with their legs, obviously, but that's not. They're not dual threat quarterbacks in the sense that they're they're not going to run twenty times a game. That's not what you want them doing. Um, Talia has a has a strong arm. It's not as accurate, I would say, as as Tua's at this stage in his development. But he's he's got a lot of the same same tools that that make you like both quarterbacks. Um, he's not neither one is particularly tall. He's probably even a little bit shorter than Tua. So that's that's one of the things that when you look at him on films, kind of stands out. It, He's he's about six feet tall, and that's that's not a deal breaker for quarterbacks, but it makes things interesting sometimes. Uh, you see it you more. Kind of, you kind of have to be you have to be really crafty, or you have to be able to move. Yeah, I mean Drew Brees. There are plenty of examples of guys who haven't been very tall and have pulled it off fine. And he's obviously ad- adapted to that because he's playing at a, at a high school in Alabama where he's he's got some offensive linemen on his team that are major Division One prospects who are six five, and he sees over them fine, and it's not an issue. But it's 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 interesting about him. But he's got a strong arm. I've I've seen him at a couple camps this year. Uh, make some really good throws, and I've seen times where he's been inconsistent with his accuracy. So I think he's he's still developing, but he's a four star for a reason. He's a he's a top I think two hundred prospect in the country mm-hmm. for a reason. Um, you know, Tua was getting a lot of praise coming out of high school as as one of the one of the best in the country, and everybody knew why Alabama was after him. With 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 Talia, he's had LSU and Tennessee continuing to beat down his door. You know why they're after him, but it's not the consensus. You know, hey, this might be one of the absolute best quarterbacks in this class. He's just seen. He's seen as one of the top ten or twelve quarterbacks in this class, so it has a chance to be very good. But he's just not as not quite as polished, I would say, at this point, maybe as uh, as Tua was. But he's also putting up huge numbers in Alabama and, and now playing for a state championship. Any other, you know, kind of intriguing Tennessee news? I know the recruiting news. I know most of it. If you want to go to GoBoss247.com, you can get 
all of this information all day long, but you know, we we, we, we tease a little bit on the podcast. We, yeah. we, we show a little leg. We show a little leg uh, when we're when we're doing the podcast. In, anything else? Because there might not be. But well, is there anything I, else? I there? have a question. Okay, go ahead. Uh, with, with going back to Eric Gray. Yeah, he's not a big bruising running back, is he? No, he's so five ten, one ninety three or so. And, and Aaron Beasley is gonna. He could play running back, but he might be a safety, right? Or is that still that's it's still a little bit up in the air. I mean, but be, he's like six something, two twenty, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's, big. he's a big dude. He could be a linebacker. You know, there's okay. there's a lot of things you could do with him. So if and kind of tying in, maybe with the offense coordinator search a little bit, are they still kind of want going to want one of these bigger running backs? Because if you're moving Jeremy Banks to linebacker, and you end up getting Gray and you put him with Chandler and Jordan, I mean, where are you know? That's, Where you at there? Yeah, that's, that's my question. That, that's and I was a, I was thinking about this as I was working on something about the running backs. That, that is that is a fair question. Yeah, I, I don't think anything's likely to change with. And they're still recruiting other running backs, right? Yeah, they are. They are now. That the problem is there just aren't many. It's not a it's not a particularly deep running back class nationally. Uh, you've had some guys at Tennessee's been recruiting who, for a while who've been either committed to other schools or who've looked like long shots for Tennessee. Uh, Five star Trey Sanders down at IMG Academy in Florida was one they've. Tried with for a while. Doesn't look like they're going to get a visit there. Um, Tyreon Davis and LSU commitment. You know they they just got John Emery Jr. the five star. Um, so so Tyreon Davis, even though he is a, an LSU commitment in Baton Rouge, going to be hard to flip a kid that close to to LSU. Um, he's he's continued to listen to Tennessee. They're at least you know in the discussion uh, for a late visit here. It doesn't look like they're guaranteed to get one. Even if they get one, you you would think their chances of flipping him are, are slim. But they're still chasing him. Uh, they're still after DJ Williams, who has kind of blown up in, uh, down in Florida the last few weeks. And Former App State guy. Right? Yeah, still committed to, to App State, which is – Who doesn't what, have a coach. Yeah, when, when you look at that, you're kind of like, wow, this is funny, an Appalachian State commitment who's been offered by Alabama and Georgia and Texas and Tennessee. If you don't question the Auburn. power of Kit Brewer Stadium and Appy State football, okay? <laughs> that is a great campus. That is a cool environment to watch. Now, it's not Bama, but, I mean – it's one of my favorite Mr. little places FCS to go watch a game. Mr. Yeah. FCS is taking over the podcast. Uh, they're FBS now, Patrick. I don't know if you got the memo yeah, on that. Yeah, but you covered them when they were in the FCS. Oh, well, they, they've gone on to bigger and you're, better things. You were an early adopter. Yes. Much. If you if you go cover a game there, you can't tell me that it's not Hasht- a cool place. You hashtag can't. West it's, a, it's a cool place it to looks watch like a, a cool game. Place. Yeah. But, uh, but kids, yes. kids snow, like sledding down there in the winter when it's snowing, kids sledding down the side of the stadium there. It's it's cool. It's cool. So they're they're still still battling for a visit from guys like that. But, yeah, not not anybody you can look at and say – it looks like Tennessee has a real shot at getting him. So this, I mean, it's a class where I, you're, you're trying to replace Madre London to begin with, and you already weren't very deep at running back this season. So there's a need for a couple running backs in this class if Tennessee could get two. You just don't look at it right now and say that anybody besides Eric Gray looks all that likely. So it'll be interesting to see if they can drum up anybody else. And I, I think there's always a chance they could kind of expand the net after the early signing period, if they want to, if they get Eric Gray and decide, okay, sort of maybe reset the board. Yeah, a little bit, we, we see need what your an, needs are. We need another one. We missed out on these guys in the early signing period. Maybe now we we hand out some more offers. There, we know there's some guys they've been evaluating at running back uh, that they haven't offered yet. So there's there's always the chance they can move on some others, and that would give them a better chance. But right now, just with who's on the board, who they've offered, Eric Gray is clearly the best option. And beyond that, it's just a bunch of kind of long shots right now so we'll see if anything changes but but to answer your question i think they're i'm oddly surprised there's not a big juco running back out there somewhere that they wouldn't give a look at or you know maybe a grad transfer pops up again that's always a possibility And when we say big running back we're not talking they don't have to be derrick henry yeah 215 220 yeah but bigger than um maybe what they've got now yeah and and 
It's still a need for them. And, I, I think they look at the roster at, and see a lack of that. And you they, look at Missouri's backfield. Those guys aren't particularly big, but I think Roundtree, uh, Roundtree's like two ten. Uh, Crockett's two twenty five. Yep. And then they've got Beatty, who's five nine one ninety. Yeah. Who Roundtree that's, runs shout like out a, Roundtree runs like a two twenty five. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what just, you. That's what. I'm, that's what I'm saying is if you can find a two fifteen pound, a two hundred fifty pound guy that runs bigger than he is, then maybe that's your your answer there. And, but but at the same time, you also you want explosive playmakers. They need a lot. Of, they need more of those. They need more Ty Chandler types too, just as much as they need guys who can move the piles forward that that, that, that Jeremy Pruitt always talks about. Um, so you know, if you got a chance to get a, a, a guy like Gray, who I know our, our analysts love, yep, um, that'd be a, that'd be a big gift for Tennessee. And, and, I mean, Gray's I think won a lot of people over the last several months. He, he goes to the opening finals this summer, and that was around the time he committed to Michigan, and he really tested well there. He's never been a four four kind of guy. He's always been more like a high four five, low four six kind of guy. So the qu- the knock on him has always been. He doesn't. He's a smallish guy who doesn't have elite top end speed. So when you put that together, on paper, it doesn't sound that great because usually if you're small, you need to be really fast. And in his case, he's he's not he's not a burner, but everything else he does well. He's just he's really quick in traffic. He makes people miss uh, in the hole. You know, a lot of times he's hard to square up when you do hit him. So he's got kind of the, a lot of the to me. He's got a lot of the qualities at running back that made Josh Dobbs a good runner as a quarterback, if that makes sense. He, yeah. he, he does a lot of things well in space that, that make him elusive, and that's a, that's a lot of what makes running backs valuable to begin with. So he's, he's put up huge numbers in Tennessee against, against not the best competition in the state, but still huge numbers, uh, three 2,000-yard seasons, the first three-time Mr. Football winner in the history of the state. Uh, he's done a lot of impressive things, and I think he's finally just won over some teams this fall, and that's why Tennessee and – Ole Miss and, and even Alabama have been involved with him this fall down the stretch. And this is – I get the sense that – and this is – it's going to be intriguing to me to see how the staff balances needs for this class because they need everything. Yeah. If they could sign 40 guys, they probably would because um, they need to <laughs> they need to inject some – Need some good high school football players. <laughs> they need to inject a lot of talent in this roster, and they need to find their guys. A lot, a lot of coaching staff talk about he's one of our kind of guys. He's, he's one of our guys. They, they need guys that, that fit what they want. Um, and fit what they want to do on both sides of the ball. And Mental so, toughness too. The staff is much yes. much bigger on and, that. And so I'm I'm, and defensively, I think it's a lot about fit. You know, they, they seem to be recruiting to fit defensively. And so I, I'm just cu- curious to see how they're going to balance. I don't want to say the numbers because then people will be like, "Well, how are the numbers going to work out, right. Ryan?" Um, well, it's it's but like just at, at positions, you know, they need a lot of everything. Yeah. And so you know, I know they want a, a some more speed at receiver. They obviously need as many offensive linemen and defensive linemen as they can get. Uh, they need to upgrade linebacker too, which yep. is why getting a guy like Papo would be good. Um, well, just and, and they've got a lot of guys in the secondary. Yeah, Papo too. probably walks in and plays if they get him. I, I mean, you, you got if he's as good as advertised, and you know you got a young core there. If you you know if you think Banks is going to be anything, and then you got you know give JJ Peterson a, a few months to live in the weight room. Papo's he probably won't be fat by the time we get to spring ball. Papo yeah. is interesting because it he's going like, he's going to lose that spare tire pretty soon. It, it sounds like Tennessee's recruiting Papo as as kind of a linebacker star hybrid, um, and and that's that's what makes him so rare. Is he's small for a linebacker, but he's being recruited by Georgia as maybe a safety um, because he's that athletic. He's a high four four guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you got that kind of speed, you can do a lot of things with him, and that, that's why he'll help Tennessee early if they get him. Because you can move those guys all over the place because you know defenses are finally getting to be as multiple as the yeah. offenses they're facing are. And, and you, you want guys, you know, Pruitt wants guys who can stay on the field, 
regardless of formation. Basically, he wants guys who you can move them around kind of like like chess pieces out there a little bit, and you can you can go to a nickel or you can go from, from like a base to almost nickel or dime with maybe only one sub or you just tweak guys around, guys who can play different positions in different formations. That's, you know, Bama used to be more – these Bama guys used to be more cut and dry a little bit with what they wanted positionally. Now they've sort of adjusted to the college game the yeah. way it is now, Speed. and you gotta and, have it. and they've gotten a little bit more dynamic. They kind of want they they call them four for four guys for the four linebacker spots. They want guys who can play all four spots. They call them four for fours, and that's what they want. So that's you know maybe he's someone who they can they can move around and play a lot of different roles because you look at guys like Rashawn Evans, those kind of guys that Bama's had over the the past few years, mm-hmm. they can play a little bit of everywhere, and that's maybe they see something like that in him. And, well, and he's different because he he's he's small and doesn't have the length probably to be an edge rusher, so he wouldn't be that four for four linebacker. But he's he's a guy who can be a uh, obviously a nickel linebacker. He can be an inside linebacker in three four sets. Um, maybe not every down. It'll be interesting to see how he develops physically. Whether he can, you, you want him. In, you're going to want him in there a lot. But you know, in a goal line set, are you going to want a 210, 215 pound linebacker in there when you've got some other guys who are bigger? That'll that'll be interesting. But in those situations where he can't play in the box, he can slide out to star maybe, or, yeah. or even play safety or whatever else you might want to do with him. But a guy like that with that kind of athleticism gives you options. So yeah, a guy like him's going to going to help right away. But uh, Patrick, you make an inter- interesting point though. Uh, just because of the the options Tennessee's going to have to leave, n- not have to leave room for necessarily, but you have to give yourselves a little bit of wiggle room going into February. And and of the main targets that we know Tennessee's after, you've got Darnell Wright, the five-star tackle who might not sign until February. That's been his plan for a while. Um, there's always a slim chance he could decide to move that up, but as of right now, he's signing in February. People won't want him any less then. Yeah, and Henry Toa Toa, the, the elite linebacker out in California. How long have you been practicing that name? I've uh, been saying it for a while uh, since he's, uh, he visited Tennessee in the summer, and I, I had to ask him then. I'm like, I have no idea how to pronounce your name. Please please give me some guidance. So, uh, But he's he's signing in February. That's a Tennessee-Alabama battle. It looks like he wants to play in the SEC, so he's waiting until February. you got to wait on those two guys for sure. Um, and there, there are plenty of other names on the board that you're, you're going to have to wait on, but those two we know of. Uh, and, and then even some guys in the secondary that they're still recruiting are going to be out there till February. So how many guys Tennessee signs this month will be interesting. But if they were to get a lot of guys this month, if they were to land Eric Gray, Owen Papo, and say they, say they flipped a guy like Tresman Marshall, who's committed to Georgia right now, the four-star linebacker, say they got all three of those guys in this early signing period, how does that change their plans for February? Because they've got 20 commitments right now, and they're about to sign a lot of those commitments. Do, do we see some last-minute changes? Do we see, you know, if they finish big here in the early signing period, are they forced to part ways with anyone at the very last minute that because they're anticipating needing a, a, at least a couple more spots in February? I, I don't know how that's going to work out. I, I don't think it's a problem, but how they will juggle all of those moving parts will be fascinating because last year they didn't have this luxury of signing a lot of guys in December. This year they do. They've been recruiting this class for a year now, so – a lot of decisions that have to be made in the next two weeks. And lastly, there's uh, regardless, we know how many guys they want to sign, and we know that means how many guys have to leave the roster. So far to this point, we only know of Will McBride. We do know that others are coming, though. We don't know exactly who they are or exactly when those decisions will be made, but 
you know what, guys, we can do basic math and realize that there are going to be some guys who either leave as grad transfers or go on medical or just transfer to another program. So and we will keep an eye on all of that. And some of that could be decided by by January. I don't know that you'll see a lot of transfers right away, but it's it's possible you could see some, I think, over the holiday break and stuff like that that are at least announced soon. Uh, because on one hand, Tennessee might, depending on who all gets in, if everyone finishes their classes they need and things like that, they might need room for a lot of early enrollees. They might get... 11 or 12 early enrollees if things fall their way uh, with some of these targets down the stretch. They should be fine with that, though, because they are losing, I think, 10. Do we know if all the seniors... Yeah, do we know if all the seniors that are leaving have graduated already or if some will have to wait until the spring? Okay, Uh, so as as long as they're good there, they're probably fine, but there's always that chance. And then, plus, there's some guys who are are graduate transfers or had that option who might might be inclined to leave the program as soon yeah, as possible. There are some they, there are some guys if you're a like a fourth year junior in this team or you're just a guy who's ahead of the curve academically and, yeah. and you are graduating, uh, I think there is a fairly good chance that a lot of those guys or at least some of them will not be back. I I just I you know, I mean it's common sense there and, and I don't think there's any need to speculate on who they are, but so there were, I think it's fair to say that they are that there are gonna be there there have yeah. to be. There have to be. What is it, seven, eight of them maybe I mean they're they're, yeah. they're you can look at it and you can see they, they're still a touchdown away from the guys that they need to leave the team. So right. they're going to see some processing and that's going to happen. Well, we've made people wait, I guess, what is it, about 33 minutes or so, 32 and a half minutes for, for OC information. We will try to bring you some of that now. There is, I mean, we talked about the recruits, so these recruits understandably want to know who's, who's my offensive coordinator going to be. Uh, maybe they trust Jeremy Pruitt and they're okay with signing anyway or committing anyway, but – uh, they want to know, and they want assurances from him because that's just the logical thing to do. So what we know on this search, there's some things that we think and some things that we know. And I'm going to tell you straight away one thing that I do know. I don't think this. I know this. From the beginning of this process, Hugh Freeze has had many opportunities or many opportunities that he thought might open up. I do not believe at all that he was only wanting to go to Tennessee. I don't believe that. I, I And I know from people who know him that that's not true. So I'm going to throw that out there straight away. And then I'm going to say this. If this is this is a what I told you before was what I know. Here's what I think. I strongly believe this. It's one of those, what do you call it, a guesstimation. You, you know some things, but you don't know enough. What I'm saying, though, is if Hugh Freeze wanted the job at Tennessee above everything else, no questions asked. And if Jeremy Pruitt and Philip Fulmer 100% wanted Hugh Freeze to be at Tennessee, that deal would have been done by now. Full stop. That deal would have been done by now. I am pretty darn sure that knowing Philip Fulmer and everyone he knows in this league, everyone he knows in this state, if that was the guy Jeremy Pruitt wanted – and Philip Fulmer was okay with him getting him, and that guy wanted to come to Tennessee, Philip Fulmer would do what he does, which is go in the back rooms, shake people's hands, talk to them, and he would make that happen. I, I, he is one of the best politicians yeah. I've ever been around, regardless of politician or not a politician. He's one of the most skilled I've ever been around. I don't think this is nearly as simple as people are saying it has been with Tennessee and Hugh Freeze. I just don't believe that. Well, I don't know that it's simple with Freeze and anybody. Um, because of his past. Yes. I mean, there were multiple... Major violations. Multiple people in this league did not think that anybody could get him hired last year. Yeah. And I think that's partially on an admin level, you know, because yeah, you, you, 
as a university, you, normally they, I don't know if a university would get involved with a, with a coordinator hire, but this is a guy with, who's been, you know, we know his past. Yeah, this isn't one. Of the, this isn't one of those ivory tower services. Those aren't those yeah. aren't minor situations. That's a guy um, that's got some some skeletons. That Justifiable have been... pause from the ivory tower if it exists. I think we can all say that. There's yeah. times where the ivory tower meddles and it shouldn't, but I don't think this is one of those but, situations. But there, there's been there's been all this outrage about this supposedly Tennessee's block this hire and all this stuff. But BS. But there, first of all, I don't know that I buy that. Second of all, there would be resistance for freeze anywhere, and you know we saw you know our especially port- in this league. Especially in this league, even the Florida State guys mentioned it on, on their hot board on their site. And if there is that, you know, the admin would have to improve it or yeah. you know, be on board or sign off on it. And that's everywhere. And if there and were any hesitation, who's to say it's not from Jeremy Pruitt and Philip Fulmer yeah. instead of the administration? Very yeah, well, could I, be. I think I think Pruitt and, and Fulmer they know the risk and the reward that comes with hiring freeze. Yeah. Um, and th- and that's not taking into account the SEC kind of aspect of this because the league blocked. Alabama wanted to bring Freeze on as, a, as an analyst last year, and the SEC said no. Now the SEC and that was just as an analyst. The SEC doesn't; they can't tell people to hire, who to hire, not to hire, but they can have a lot of say. They can strongly recommend, don't do this. And I think that's what we they will did not last be happy year. They, if you they do have this. a bylaw that we've referenced multiple times that um, if you want to hire a coach that's got either unethical conduct mm-hmm. in his past or has been involved with major NCAA violations, freezes can check both those boxes proudly. Yeah, either convicted um, or, or still ongoing investigation. Yeah, and those those hires have to be that bylaw is clear. Yeah, it, it, there's a it's required that the inter, the chancellor or president of your university has to consult with with Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner. And Sankey can't be like, "Don't hire him. We're not going to allow you." But he can be like, he he can in no uncertain terms be like, "Don't hire him." Basically. He can't fully make you not do it, but he can basically make you not do it. And so, if they want to, that's they, they, why they, they, they can pull you over and then knock one of your headlights out with a. Yeah, with that's, a, with that's a why. Light, that's what I'm saying. Is they that, want is in that sense, and also there were some people that last year didn't think they could get freeze hired because the admin wouldn't do it. So there's a lot of hoops to jump through with freeze, and um, and so that's it's it's not a simple situation. But kind of looking at your point, Wes, if if freeze was. If he wanted Tennessee and Tennessee wanted Freeze, or if Tennessee determined that they couldn't hire Freeze because of his baggage, I think we would know by now. Yes. Um, and now it's to the point now where Freeze has multiple options. I mean, he's been linked to, what, like five different jobs now. And I think he was waiting, and I don't think it's it's not been a secret for a few, couple weeks now that, that the Alabama o- offensive coordinator job might be open. Loxley was going to Maryland or somewhere else. Yeah. We've, pr- we've been pretty clear on that. Everyone sort yeah. of knows and that's, that. that's not – and so if you're if you're Hugh Freeze and you got a chance to coach Tennessee, you got a chance to go coach Tua Tagovailoa for another year, and you're trying to get back and be a head coach. Yes. Would you wouldn't you go to Alabama where they are, are basically running while they're winning all these titles are basically running a coaching rehab center? I mean, Mike Loxley was three and thirty one as a head coach. Now he just won the Broyles Award and he's getting a, you know his dream job. I mean, yeah. and it's it's and most people are saying it's a good hire. So if you're Freeze, why would you not? Want to see what happens? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and now you have options. You've got Auburn out there. Yep. You've got Florida State out there. You can go to Liberty, which also you, they're all going to be people, bidding against each other. God if would they be want so him. perfect on Pe- so many people. Levels, would, people will make you know. People will be like, he's not going to go to Liberty. Well, he gave a speech there, and that that place hired the Baylor AD. Hire he freeze. I mean, they're probably going to do what they want. Yeah. Um, so now, and you know, but I mean, he's you, playing the field. I think it's pretty obvious he's playing the field. I don't. I don't. I think all this outrage at 
that Randy Boyd and the board and all these people. I just it just seems misplaced to me. And it seems it's a to be B, ignoring it's a BS rumor that has no basis in it actual. It seems fact. to be ignoring the the fact that Hugh Freeze is keeping his options open and playing the field. Yeah, he can. He, here's what it is, guys. Freeze can think I can go to Tennessee and I'm pretty sure I can resurrect my career, or I can go to Alabama and I know for sure I'm going to resurrect my career. It is simple as that. I go coach Tua for a year. I go to a situation where potentially, even if Tua gets hurt, I might be able to just plug in Jalen Hurts and go from there if he stays. You know, I've heard some rumors that maybe they're trying to get Hurts to redshirt next year and then Tua goes pro and then Hurts gets a year before he goes. There's a lot of potential things in play there, but you might be in a situation where your backup quarterback is maybe one of the better quarterbacks in college football. So why would you not go there? I mean, if that's possible and you know that Saban respects you because you beat him twice and he respects your offense, yes. But I, I think we need to be clear about this. Freeze's combination of things was a really tough combination for people to just really have faith in going forward because this is a guy who basically called out the NCAA on Twitter and said, come investigate us. We got nothing to hide here. Turns out they had a lot to hide, and they were hiding a lot. Okay, and then you throw in the escorts thing, whatever. That's between him and his family. I'm not going to get into all that. I, I, that's that's a private matter as far as I'm concerned. But you add that into the other things. It's not like it's just one thing. It's a multitude of things. It is a a rather large set of circumstances you have to overcome. And there are times where people say the ivory tower medals, and I think, yeah, you're right. They do bureaucratic red tape. A lot of situations doesn't help anything. Makes it worse. In this situation. And I'm not saying it is the case, but if it were the case, I understand it. Because you have to think, if you can get a guy who might be just a little bit better than the other guy, but that guy has a ton of baggage, that's a tough decision to make. That's really not. And if you're even if you're thinking about it from a win-at-all-cost side, you could argue that it's riskier to go with freeze. If You know, that, that's what I'm saying. I, I just... I understand why, and I don't think Tennessee is the only fan base that does this. I, I really don't. But I think it's been very front and center with Tennessee in the past decade or so that they're struggling so much, and this fan base is so good and so passionate and so large that it wants a quick fix, and it always feels like it's one higher away from just getting that quick fix. And that's why it gets so fixated on one person during a search, whether it's bring back Bruce, you know, whether it's the groomers, whether now with Hugh Freeze of all people – like, they just they get latched onto one thing and put themselves in a situation where they're, like, building a box that's destined to fail. And I don't think – I'm not telling anyone what to do. That's their decision. That, hey, you live your life the way you want. That's cool. But I just don't think you're helping yourself by looking at it like this. And I don't think that it's productive, and I don't think that it really helps the Tennessee brand, if I'm being honest. And, and I think the other guy that was mentioned a lot that, that we – we mentioned a lot and had on our first two boards or it was Chip Lindsay, um, who, yeah. who longtime friend of Pruitt. They know each other very well. They spoke. Um, I, I think from, from what we heard down there that Lindsay was interested in the job. Very and, interested. And some people thought that ultimately that would be the way that they would go. I thought that um, for the first few days. And got kind of going into the weekend, it was thought that he, he was, you know, one of the main guys, but then coming out of it, he kind of was maybe less of a factor. And then I think at some point, 
Tennessee decided they weren't going to hire Lindsey, and so he went to Kansas. Yeah, I think we can after look after collecting his his retention bonus from Auburn. Yeah, that's a smart <laughs> move, smart smart bit of business there. If can we all be honest here and say that Chip Lindsey going to Kansas is a pretty darn clear indication that Pruitt didn't want to go in that direction? Because no one, you could be less Miles' kin, and I don't know if you would want to go to Kansas when you could go to Tennessee. I mean, I, I just, you know, that that's not something a logical person does unless, like, their wife's family's from Lawrence and they say, we want to go back home, yada, yada. Hey, maybe sometimes the wife calls the shots. That's what it is. But if it's not a situation like that, man, it just doesn't make any sense. So I think we can all say pretty clearly, can we be in agreement here that that's a pretty strong indication that Pruitt wanted to go in a different direction? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think it's also – I think that there's this this notion there there's this there's this bit of um someone said something that tripped off the uh the smart home thing in here. I don't know how I don't know what, like I, a dumb home I thing. don't know what word that yeah, it is kind of a dumb home thing sometimes but I, I think when you look at some names and some guys that are out there, I don't think that it's fair to assume that Pruitt and Fulmer and Boyd are botching this. Now, if you believe that Tennessee doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt, cool. I'm on board with that. Tennessee, in general, for the past 12 years or so, does not deserve the benefit of the doubt. But this is Pruitt as a head coach. This is Fulmer as an AD. And we've got an interim president there that we're covering now in in Boyd. And under that trio of people, what evidence is there that says anything about you should assume they're messing this up. We don't know. And, and as someone who's covered searches before, generally, the less info that leaks out, the more in control of a search people are. And right now, with the early signing period coming up, let's call this what it is. Pruitt's also focused a little bit on recruiting. He's out there looking for guys because a lot of it, actually, no, 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 matter how, no matter who your coordinator is, if you don't have players, you're going to suck. He knows that. How many times did he say this year, it doesn't really matter what we're running, guys. It's just getting just getting run over. He needs players. So I just don't think that it's fair. Now, if you want to be skeptical, hey, I'm on board with that. Hey, if a room full of journalists can't tell you that it's good to be skeptical, then then what can we say? I mean, that, that's what our jobs are. But I just don't think that it's fair to assume that these people are going to make the same mistakes their predecessors did. Because... When Fulmer became AD, look at the hires that he's made. Pruitt, okay, still on the fence, not sure, but I think the guy's a good football coach. You know, you look at the other couple of coaches he's made in other sports, those look great. Those programs are doing awesome. Those were great hires. Looks like they were anyway. Mm-hmm. So why would we assume, and Boyd's a guy who will go out there on social media and put to bed rumors that he thinks are dumb which is something that I think is good PR also. You're maybe setting a precedent where you're having to explain everything, and that's not good. But in general, I think just coming out and being frank with people is a good thing. So what what evidence do we have? What evidence do we have that these guys are getting pushed around by an ivory tower and they're not being able to do what they want? We have zero, zero evidence of that. Zero, other than people running their mouths. None, and like you said, it it, it never made sense to me from the beginning because – Philip Fulmer might be in his, you know, wrapping up his first year as as Tennessee's athletic director. I guess it's been a, no, a, a little more than a year now, but he's he's still fairly young in that position. But that's the part that didn't make sense to me is 
as you said, he was known when he was a football coach for being really good at playing the political game, dealing with administrators and donors behind the scenes. That's his strength. Why, why do people think that he would let Jeremy Pruitt or himself get pushed around in a situation like that where they're trying to get a higher made to do the one thing that he came to Tennessee as athletic director to do, to fix the football program? Yes. Why would he let someone stand in the way of that, especially when you have an administration that's in transition? Nothing about that makes any sense at all. Uh, I, I don't understand where that's come from. Now, uh, now, that's not to say that there aren't people in the admin sure. that aren't that don't like the hire or may have to shower before they sign yeah. off on it <laughs> yeah. or after they sign off on it. If it's you freeze. Hey, maybe that, before that, and after. There's you know. some, sometimes at this level, that's what you got to do. Yeah. But that's not, to me, that's not Tennessee. That's not that's not just a Tennessee thing. I think that yes. was going to have to be the case everywhere with freeze, and that should be no surprise given what happened last year when Alabama tried to hire him. So. Mm-hmm. Um, even Bama couldn't get it done last year, and it's not even. And, and people will say, "Oh, well, this, you know, they don't care about winning, well, don't care and, about the and, fan and, base." And Ole Miss's and sanctions just, are done now, as far as I can tell. Yeah, so um, that so, changes it a little. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just it, if Freeze wanted to be at Tennessee, and if Tennessee wanted Freeze, and they were number one on each other's list, they probably would have tried to hammer something out by now. And I if think they, they had. If they had tried to hammer, and, and if Tennessee had said. Thanks, but no thanks. I think it would have. It either would have been they would have come out and said something, or they would have been leaked that we're we're moving on from him, or right. we're not going to hire him, or something. Exactly. There would have been a if resolution. Free, if Freeze was dead, we would have known by now. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, and so that's. But he still may be on the table because we don't know. I, I got to think that he's Alabama would be number one on his his if he was you know listening ranking his destinations. Alabama would be number one. Well, who's yeah. who's number two? We don't know. Yeah, I can tell you. I know for a fact that he's been waiting the past couple of days to see what would happen to Bama. Absolutely, that is a hundred percent fact. I can report that to you as a fact and tell you that is the truth. And what I think, but don't know, is that there are still some hangups from Tennessee's end, perhaps including. Pruitt and Fulmer, who are not 100% convinced that Freeze is 100% the guy they want. So I don't think this is a situation where all these guys have known what they've wanted and they weren't allowed to do it. I just, I can tell you that's not true. So let's look at this logically. Now the question is, if it's not Freeze, what direction does Tennessee go? Do they try really hard to, to get in there, you know, with um, with Enos and say, hey, we can bring you an offensive well, coordinator job here? But then he could probably think in his mind and say, well, I'm still to a quarterback's coach for a year. I still, you know, might get a, a safer opportunity or even a head coaching opportunity next year. So, okay, maybe maybe that's a tough decision for him to make. But he's a guy that I think they would still call. Um, there are some other guys in there too, the quarterback's coach at Clemson. And, you know, and there it, are co- other coordinators out there. It seemed – yeah, I wouldn't throw any of those Clemson guys. I don't know why anybody from Clemson would, would leave there to come here. Uh, if you were a position coach. Um, yeah, quarterback's coach makes sense. Brandon Street is a guy we've been asked about. I don't know if he's got enough experience for Pruitt. I think he's only been a right. coordinator for a couple of years. That's my that thing. A, is I, That was at a lower level. Yeah, you, you just had a guy who was a first-time, full-time play caller, and even he, Tyson Helton, had play calling experience. So I, I don't think you want to – I mean – Maybe there's a scenario, but I don't think you want a guy who's never done it before. I think you want an experienced coordinator this time. And, well, and I'll tell you, and, and, and ahead, I, th- ahead, I, I think the uh, maybe I think the first domino in this whole thing was Loxley. What was going to happen with him? Now that's the first domino to fall. I guess the second domino to fall will be what Alabama does and what Nick Saban does. And let's face it, Saban gets what he wants. If he wants freeze, I bet you it'll happen because he's got enough clout to make it happen at yep. multiple levels. Mm-hmm. And you know, if Ulmer can do it, you bet your backside so, that Saban could do it. And and if Tennessee had hired Freeze, you'd see all this outrage. Like this is like I said on the last podcast, there'd be all these national columns about 
hypocrisy of Tennessee and its fans and blah, blah, blah. Alabama hires him. It'll be oh he's he's gonna rehab another coach. It'll be Sark, Kiffin, and now Freeze, and he'll you know. Well, I mean, he does have a track record of being able to and, do some and things true. with those and when guys. You're, and when you're the king of the sport, you can get away with that. You know, you're Teflon. Nothing, nothing will you know. You won't hear a peep about it next year. Um, Fact of life. And if they hire Freeze, you know, we'll have to see what happens with Enos. He, I, he, I think he'd be a really good hire. He's yes. shown that he's a really good developer of quarterbacks. Two is obviously is really really good, but you have to give some you know some credit there and. I don't know if you guys saw what Jalen Hurts did, but he looked a lot better as a passer, um, even yeah, though he, he wasn't did. even healthy. I mean, he's, he's he had ankle surgery about a month ago. Made some really nice and throws. Made some really pressure. nice throws, and and you, and you wonder if you know if Enos goes somewhere, is Hurts in play there too? Yeah. Um, I'll, given I'll, what hurt, you know, given what one of them did for you know for the other, and um, but I I would think if if you're Alabama, you'd try to keep Enos if he could. Yep. Maybe you make him a co-offensive coordinator with Freeze. So because he could be um, even if Freeze takes the job, he could be the next offensive coordinator whenever Freeze moves yeah. on to get a head coach. At so, least give at least give him co-OC titles yeah. and OC money. We know they've got the money to do that. Well, and the thing, you know, the interesting thing with money, I don't know if this is going to be a factor with Enos at all, but he's still getting money from Arkansas in nineteen. So Alabama lowballed his his salary because he's still getting buyout money. It's kind of like what Larry Scott and Charlton Warren did at Florida, where this year they're they're making like two hundred grand. And then next year they're going to make like more with their regular salary. Would be. I think Enos, uh, he was scheduled to get almost eight or nine hundred thousand from Arkansas in eighteen and nineteen, and so he he made like two hundred again, you know, at Alabama these first years, like two hundred and two fifty. And then in in twenty, his salary at Alabama was supposed to go up to like what it normally would be. So I don't know if that's a factor. He may not want to leave, uh, but I think he's a guy that we can say Pruitt has interest in and probably has spoken to. I don't know that for a fact, but I think he probably is, has talked to Enos or yeah. talked to to other coaches about Enos. Um, and uh, but he's not he's not the only name on the board. I think can we say that we're about to we may have a board later today. Yeah. By the time we, yeah, the, the, it sounds the, this we, podcast will be released. I mean, if we're right now, I'll tell you candidly, it's like four fifteen p.m. We, we, we have we, one. In we the will works. have this thing up for right as soon as it's done recording. Like I'm going to edit it and put it straight up to the site. So mm-hmm. we'll be it'll be up pretty soon. But we'll ha- we we sh- we are in the near future. We'll we have an hot board update coming. Yes. And I think there will be some some fun new names on there. Because well, now, I mean, you know, we've heard a little bit more about some of the guys, maybe Pruitt, the kind of guys he might want. I mean, there's some things that, you know, there, there will be some names that we that we know and then a lot of names that, that we're just saying these would make sense. And that that's where it is in this search because I think these guys have, frustratingly for us, but good for them, they've, they've kept a lot of this quiet. So they, they've been able to, to keep that circle pretty tight. So that good for them. But there's still some things that we know and some things that we'll be able to bring to you. But – I don't. I just don't get the sense that Pruitt is going to rush this thing. I don't see why he would. I don't see why he needs to. I'm, I'm just. And you made being a good point. Here. You made a good point in your column, Wes, that the the right hire, whether it's Friday or whether it's shoot early January, yep, it's still the right hire whenever you make it. And if you make a bad hire for the sake of speed, uh, that's where you have a chance to maybe rush and make make the wrong decision. And he, ha- he has to get the decision right. I think we right. all know that. And I think he knows that. And I think Philip Fulman knows that. Uh, I don't think that's any secret. And that's why I think he's been thorough to this point. Uh, and I think he has, you know, I, I think he probably wanted Freeze, but he also knew there was some risk there. And he also knew that the Alabama situation was out there that Freeze would want to consider. So Man, how, much, how, how much is everyone in college football just so happy that Ohio State just promoted from within? Yeah. Because that would <laughs> – And why they did – that's a mystery to me. And, and that would have caused a series of dominoes that, my goodness, when you talk about like a, a you know, one of the very tops, you know, elite level, like a, 
like a Bama, Ohio State, you know, a Michigan, USC, one of those. When you floor, when you see something like that, you start seeing the domino effect that's just crazy. Did, so, man, it, we're all of us. Thank you, thank you for saying thank you, Ohio State, for for making our holidays a little simpler. Did they did they promote Greg Schiano? Did I miss that or who they promote? No, they did, they did not go. They went with Ryan Day, but he was the Schiano's like the best coach ever made. Yeah, it's true. Got a lot of friends in the national media. Including a lot of people who I would call my friends, who I think are a little too high on Chiano. But hey, that's that's their opinion. They got a right to it, just like everybody else does out there in this world. But yeah, that's. You, a, you, but if, if are you're you going have, by the 49 points they allowed to Purdue, or the 39 mean, Michigan scored on them in the, the fact that a couple, it was 100, the fact that a couple years in a row they've been held out of the title game because of a bad, bad loss to a mediocre at best team. Yeah, yeah that's you know there. But but hey, I, I think there are. I think that we can say that Pruitt is either going to go. I think he's going to go with somebody he knows. But if he doesn't go with somebody he knows, he's going to go with somebody who's really experienced because I think that's the only two kind of hires that make sense. Yeah. You guys want to hear something funny? When do I not? Let's see. Tennessee was ranked 50th nationally in total defense. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to know where Ohio State was ranked? Where? 67th. And, and you know, slight, <laughs> slight, difference, slight difference in the talent. For, for those couple of teams. Just a slight, slight, subtle little difference. Plus, Ohio State didn't have to play two. That's true. Or Drew Locke. Yeah. yeah. A, lot of, a lot of good quarterbacks. Heck, or even Shermer, who's doing a pretty nice yeah. job of making himself a prospect. So, well, yeah. And on Dan Enos, one, one thing I wanted to mention about that, I I think there's some things to like about his background, aside from just where he is now. He, he's He's got a pretty diverse background, and then when you look at where he was before, Arkansas. Look at the kind of offense he was running at Arkansas. So this is a guy who's who's got enough experience in a – Pro style and offense. his offenses were pretty good too. Yeah, and yeah. I think one year they were good on running the ball. And the I was going to say the next couple years they were good throwing the ball. They ran it a ton uh, during during Bielema's time there. So I, I think that's that's something you like is that if you're Jeremy Pruitt, you want to run the ball. You've made that clear. If that's still a priority, this is the guy who had some success lining up in I formation and running it at Arkansas, and now he's shown he can spread the field and throw it. I, I like that. And we need to also mention before we get out of here in just a bit that that Tennessee last year paid its OC one of the highest salaries in all of college football, I believe, for an OC. So Tennessee was willing to pay $1.2 million to Tyson Helton. So Tennessee, people who say, well, they're not willing to spend. No, 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 they're willing to spend it. This is one of those things where Philip Fulmer is going to say this is worth the investment. He will open up the wallet if he needs to for this. I don't think there's any question about that because he knows the consequences. He, as well as anyone, Philip Fulmer should know better than anyone else out there what happens when you don't get your offensive coordinator hire correct? When you don't hire a guy that that you can trust and a guy who, you know, runs what you want to run so you don't have a lot of friction there, I, I think he knows that as well as anyone because that was the, the tale of his era. He, he had one of the – maybe the best offensive coordinator in the game and was great, and then he had some others who he had some, some difficulties with for one reason or another, and, and then he ended up getting fired. So – you know what, guys? It, it, it's he knows how important this is, and Tennessee is willing to spend on that. Last year, when Jeremy Pruitt said, "I want this offensive coordinator," he's going to cost one point two million dollars. You know what Philip Fulmer said? Cool. Here's the check. Go do what you got to do. He'll do that again. I don't think it's a deal where they won't pay for someone. I don't think that's the case at all. They're willing to spend with the big boys on this because they did last year. So I, there's just a lot of. I think it's easy for people to think that this is has some similarities to last year because that's sometimes what people do, and, and hey, that, that's fine. But this is not at all even remotely close to the same thing. This is not a search that is out of control. This is not a search that's having problems. They are, uh, I guess Pruitt would say, I, 
I don't think Pruitt's pulse is up with this. I think he's doing okay. So I, I think people need to maybe relax a little bit. I'm not I'm not going to tell people what to do, but I think it would do people well to relax here. Uh, we'll throw some names out there. We'll find out where he's going, and I, I think that this thing will will work out okay. I just think there's going to be there's a lot of drama here that just, just doesn't need to be there. Well, and Wes, to, to your point, he, there isn't a huge need for Jeremy Pruitt to rush this. He doesn't have half of a recruiting class threatening to leave. He has a lot of solid commitments right now that don't appear to be going anywhere, including his quarterback, who's who has the most reason to be worried about it because that was his recruiter, his position coach, and his coordinator all gone. And they signed a stud, and, and they got a commitment from a, a, yeah. a stud in the class behind him. Yeah, but but down the stretch here, I mean, you've got two weeks to finish uh, the finish up with the guys who are signing early, but the consequences, even if you waited until after the early signing period, seem to be, seem to be pretty minimal. I mean, you might have some concerns with Eric Gray, and that's even those you you might be able to weather the storm there. You might be able to survive not having an offensive coordinator and still get him. But aside from that, there's really not anyone you can point to and, and look at and say, you know, that guy, you might be hurting your chances of signing him if you don't have an OC in place before the early signing period. There, there might be a scenario where they wait until after the early, early signing period, make a hire, even like you said, in early January, and they're still okay, and it hasn't really affected recruiting at all. So I, I don't, I wouldn't recommend that Tennessee goes that direction. But if they wanted to, if they really wanted to wait on some guys, they absolutely could. So yeah, the need to rush this, I, I just don't see it. And so that that's one of the reasons I think the hand wringing about this is uh, is blowing it out of proportion, frankly. Yeah, I, I think that there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of things to be okay with here. I think people need to just relax a little bit. I think that would help people. I just, you know what? It, it's there's so much drama out there, and and can we just can, can can we just dial down the drama a little bit? Like, passion is great, you know. Tennessee's fan base. I've gone to bat for those guys time and time again because they have been put through hell. They just have for like it's not just a couple years. It's been like 10, 12 years of just a lot of garbage, and th- they have a right as fans to say we're not happy with this. We want this, and and they feel emboldened, right because of what happened last year. So well, I, I think that, that they they see themselves as agents of change, and hey, I, that, that's cool, man. That's cool. But but let, let, let's let this thing play out before complaining about what it might be. Right. Well, and, and you've got I, – I think you do have to show a little bit of faith here because even though, again, Philip Fulmer's a year into being an athletic director, Jeremy Pruitt's about a year into being a head coach, they're, they're still learning on the job in some ways. But I, I don't doubt for a second that if these guys really want to get a hire made and they have their sights set on someone, unless there is a 100% legitimate reason to shoot down that hire, I don't think they're going to be denied. I really don't. I don't think Tennessee is going to stop those two guys from, from getting an offensive coordinator in place that they feel they need to win. And if we find that's the case, yeah. we're going to report it. And then everyone can go crazy yes, about it. If we, but, fi- if we find that, and hey, or if someone else that's a really good reporter finds yeah. that, and then we can confirm it, and you know we find out what's going on, okay, cool. And like, there, I get it. Here's the thing. There would be a lot of complaining behind the scenes that we would have heard about it by now if that was happening. And so, so far, that hasn't come out. So... I, that's why I'm not believing it at this point. Uh, I've heard no indication that that's been the case. So uh, until further notice, I think you've got to take them at their word that, that hey, Jeremy Pruitt and Philip Fulmer and those guys are quietly working on 
getting an offensive coordinator in place and, and yeah, wait and see who the hire is first. Let's, let's see what happens. What if there's all this hand wringing and then freeze ends up being the hire anyway? What if they were just doing their due diligence on everything, got everything taken care of and then boom, he's the hire. And then everyone's blaming Tennessee administrators for nothing. I just, you know, outrage when we don't know what's going on is the worst kind of outrage because it's like people keep throwing things out there and, a lot of times it's either one half true, two can't be confirmed, or Speculation. three, or three, it's just wrong. Like there have been some times here where it's just been incorrect. So let's just relax. I mean, you know, trust who you want to trust. That's fine. But let's see where this thing goes. Is that so crazy? Am I crazy for thinking that? Let's stay off Twitter. Twitter's the worst <laughs> in so many ways. You're not wrong about that. You're not wrong about that, so, you know. Yeah, you're not wrong. Speaking of the Twitter that you should stay off of, you can always find us at <laughs> twitter.com slash govoss247. Uh, I'm Wes Rucker. You can find me at Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. You can find Ryan Callahan at Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. You can find Patrick Brown at pbrown24-7 on Twitter. And you can find Grant Ramey on Twitter at Grant Ramey. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Go Vols 24-7. And if you just want to, if you're just like, I don't love social media, go straight to GoVols247.com, live and direct. We've always got good deals for you to check out the site. We've always got some stuff, Com- some good deals. Complete coverage of the of the offensive coordinator search and much, much more. It's a busy time of year. Get on the site. Yeah, I mean, top 10 basketball matchup between number seven Tennessee, number one Gonzaga on Sunday. There's also uh, basketball recruiting. There's also uh, some baseball seasons getting ready to start up. Got uh, Maria does a great job covering the Lady Vols. There's everything that you could want, except for maybe an offensive coordinator right now. But we're working on bringing that to you, too. So We'll we get will. him hired if Jeremy Pruitt will. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that done, guys. Pat, any final thoughts? Nope.